Welcome into the San Francisco 49er Access Podcast and welcome to NFC Championship Weekend. The NFC title game is this Sunday between the San Francisco 49ers and the Detroit Lions. San Francisco comes in 13-5 on the year, having just beat the Green Bay Packers 24-21 in the divisional round. This is San Francisco's 19th, yes, 19th NFC title game appearance, and they will be hoping to make their 8th Super Bowl appearance with a win this Sunday against the Detroit Lions. The Lions come in 14-5, having played the extra wild card weekend game in which they beat the Rams 24-23. They also beat the Bucks last weekend 31-23 in the divisional round. And this is the Lions' first NFC title appearance since 1991. And they are not just gunning for uh, their first Super Bowl appearance ever, but... They're gunning for their first road playoff win since 1957 against our very own San Francisco 49ers. So, so much history on the line here. Two teams that desperately need to win this game, not just because, well, it's the championship game, but because both these cities have been starved for a champion for so, so long. And... Being a Niner fan, being a Niner podcast, we have to ask ourselves and discuss how San Francisco can knock the legs out from under the Lions who are riding high, right? They've won two playoff games in a row. The whole world and Eminem himself seem to be behind the Detroit Lions. Um, They are the darling of the playoffs, if you might say, right? Uh, No one wants to root for the Chiefs and Mahomes and Kelsey and Swift. Lamar Jackson's fine, but... They've been to a handful of Super Bowls uh, in the past, what, decade and a half in Baltimore. And so if you're San Francisco, you have to knock the wind out of Detroit early in this game. Because if you don't, they're going to scratch and claw and fight their way back and throughout the entirety of that 60-minute fight to the finish for a shot at the Lombardi Trophy, right? And so if you're San Francisco, you have to establish the run opening up the play-action game for Brock Purdy. If they get pressure on Jared Goff, San Francisco should find themselves at the end of the day hoisting another NFC championship in front of their home crowd. And look, you have to remind Lions fans, you have to remind the Lions players that you are not the LA Rams. You aren't the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have to show them, show Jared Goff, Jameer Gibbs, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Cortland Sutton, or excuse me, Cameron Sutton, that you are the number one seeded San Francisco 49ers for a reason, and you have to gut punch them early. That is how you are going to almost suck the wind out of their sails if you are San Francisco. And so how do they do that? How does San Francisco put themselves in a position to win this game and maybe even... There's even certain fans saying this thing could get ugly. I want to say this first, that I won't go that far because I respect the heck out of the Detroit Lions. They're having a great season. I love me some Dan Campbell, some Ben Johnson, some Aaron Glenn. I even like me some Jared Goff. Now, it's more so because of his wife, but that's just who I am, right? (laughs) But I will say this. I love their team. I like how they play. But this week, F them. 
all bets are off. Screw the Detroit Lions. You are in our way for a sixth Lombardi trophy. And if we have to run through you and declaw you and bite your kneecaps off to get there, by all means, get it done. San Francisco, how do they get it done this Sunday against the Detroit Lions? Jared Goff, he is the key to victory on defense for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I know you're saying here, Sterling, uh, Detroit has Jared Goff as their quarterback. He's not playing on San Francisco's defense. Well, if you are San Francisco, you know Jared Goff is 0-5 against you in his last five games. Seven touchdowns, five interceptions, and sacked nine times in his last five games. Now, almost all of those games come when he was with the Rams, but... Um, I think one thing we have to look at here, and there's a handful of stats we'll dive into, is that Jared Goff, when he doesn't have the home crowd Lions fans behind him chanting, Goff, 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 he's not the same guy. Jared Goff in home games this year, a QBR of 64.3, over 8 yards per attempt, 22 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. In 8 road games this year, 57.8 QBR, a whole less yard per attempt at 7.1, half the touchdowns at 11, and the same amount of interceptions at 6. Not having the home crowd behind you, this is why getting the number one seed was so important for San Francisco. You have the advantage. Detroit is not going to be behind Jared Goff in this game. This Levi Stadium is going to have like 95% Niner fans, as it should, mind you. And if you're going to go to the game, use our promo code 49ersact at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Now, for Jared Goff, we've already established at home a far better quarterback on the road. He's not so good. It gets even better here. Indoor games in a dome, 11 games this year, 69 completion percentage, almost 3,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, 8 picks, sacked 15 times, and a rating of 104. Pretty good numbers, dark horse MVP numbers from Jared Goff through 11 games indoors. You move him outdoors through 6 games this season. That comp percentage drops 4.5 points to 64.5%. His yards drop almost, or actually almost 2,000 yards down at 1,500 yards. His touchdowns drop by a third at 7 touchdowns. He's thrown 4 picks, been sacked 15 times, and a rating of 88. Jared Goff. Simply by San Francisco getting the number one seed and playing at Levi Stadium, it gives them the advantage. The Lions are going to be on the road, bad for Jared Goff, and outside, also bad for Jared Goff. Now, continuing down this road here, how does San Francisco, and more so Steve Wilkes, how do they, knowing they already have the advantage of playing outside and on the road for Jared Goff, how do they continue to exploit his weaknesses? Well, it's pretty simple. You gotta blitz. You gotta bring five guys a lot of the time. Uh, against the blitz this year, the Lions offense ranks 27th per EPA, and they have the 28th success rate in the entire NFL. That is awful. That is atrocious. One of the worst uh, offenses against the Blitz in the entire league. Now, Jared Goff specifically, right? When he's blitzed, when he is pressured, 
has the fewest scrambles. He's not mobile and has the sixth most throwaways. When he senses pressure, he's not running. He panics and gets rid of that ball quickly. Now, against the clean pocket, Jared Goff, 76% completion percentage, 8.2 yards in attempt, 27 touchdowns and three interceptions. Again, dark horse MVP stuff from Jared Goff when he's indoors in front of his own fans and when that pocket is clean. So if you're Steve Wilkes, what do you do? You're playing outside. The Lions are on the road. And if you can bring that pressure, Jared Goff has a 51.4% completion percentage Nearly a two-yard per attempt drop-off from 8.2 to 6.3. 27 touchdowns in a clean pocket to just six when he's under pressure. And if you pressure him, you nearly triple his interception total from three to nine. The Niners have to, if anything. Of course, you gotta score points. If you wanna stop Detroit, it starts with getting pressure. Not just sacks, it's getting pressure on Jared Goff. He is the key if you want to stop this Lions offense. Indoors, the number five best quarterback in football. Outdoors, the 21st best quarterback in the entire league. In a clean pocket, number seven ranked per EPA in a clean pocket. Under pressure, the 28th best quarterback in football. Everything is lining up where if they can already get him outside, check. On the road, check. If Steve Wilkes can dial up the blitz, which we know he wants to do when he first got here was, Steve Wilkes is so aggressive, now is the time to bring the heat. You have to get Jared Goff off of his spot. It is imperative for this Niners defensive line to force Jared Goff out of the pocket, make him maneuver outside of the pocket and force him to make a play with his legs, think quick, make irrational and dumb decisions. I'm talking, I'm not talking sacks. What I am talking is Nick Bosa, you gotta beat Panay Sewell. Chase Young, you have to stop playing like a rotational piece and start executing like a number one pick and former rookie of the year that you are. And more importantly here, Arguably the most important piece of San Francisco's defense this Sunday is Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead. Yes, Nick Bosa had six, or in his first six playoff games, had eight sacks. In his last four, he had zero. That needs to change. Chase Young has to come to play. Gregory has to come to play. But Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave are the key to getting to Jared Goff this Sunday and altering the outcome of this game. Again, it's not just sacks. It's about getting pressure. He does top five quarterback stuff when he's in a clean pocket. He's a bottom 10 quarterback when you can pressure him, right? So how do they do that? Well, it's as simple as you got to beat your guy, right? And thankfully for San Francisco, albeit Frank Ragnow, the Lions center is likely going to play, but He's banged up, sprained knee, sprained ankle. Can you exploit that in a way? Is it running stunts to make him move more than he likely wants to because he's so banged up? I think that's the thing that might happen on Sunday. And Jonah Jackson, the Lions left guard, he's already been ruled out, right? So their replacement, and I hope I'm not butchering this name, Kayode Awasika. I apologize if I am, but again, you're going to get exploited this Sunday, okay? When you go from your starter, who played almost the whole season, 
to your backup who has a 15.1% pressure rate in just 86 snaps, has a 29.2 PFF pass blocking grade, and the worst pass blocking efficiency on the entire Detroit offensive line. If I'm talking about who do you target, play in, play out, it is, again, Hope I'm saying your name right. Coyote Awasika, my man, you are marked on a calendar because uh, it is game day for you this Sunday. Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, you have to beat. You are paid to beat Coyote Awasika in a banged up Frank Ragnow. The Lions are a good team up front in the trenches. That's where you're going to win this game. And when you see blood, you have to go for the kill. The Lions in a way, are bleeding with Coyote Awasika, Armstead, Hargrave, my friends. Go for the kill. That is your path to victory. Because once you beat Awasika, you are in the backfield constantly. You're forcing the Lions and Ben Johnsons to make adjustments. And at that point, this game could be out of hand. Now, I will say this. Despite Goff not being great under pressure, it's the fact that Jared Goff has 26 throwaways. He's a smart quarterback, been winning a lot of games, whether it was with the Rams or now with the Lions. He knows how to play big games. He's played in Super Bowls before, right? He went toe-to-toe with Mahomes and won in Los Angeles. Jared Goff is a good quarterback. One thing I will say, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator there, sets him up so well to get rid of that ball quickly because of what he has in checkdown options. Now, it's usually... Jameer Gibbs, and one thing Goff loves to do is quick, intermediate throws, hence the game manager title, right? Hence the, you know, Kirk Cousin-like uh, comparisons he gets. He loves his checkdowns. They're pretty much quick little outs. Uh, the plays to his right, Jameer Gibbs off to his left, bang, right there for about six yards and ten a yak. Jared Goff loves that stuff. Now, how do you take away checkdowns? And it sounds so weird to think of this, you're taking away checkdowns. Usually, you want to take away deep options, stuff over the middle of the field on the outside of the numbers. For Jared Goff's sake, while he will press the ball downfield, it might be more important to take away the checkdown option. Hear me out for a second. Again, when you're seeing Sam Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown running across the field, Jared Goff, you have good coverage, but he has Jameer Gibbs sitting in the flat for four yards, then 10 a yak. You have to be able to tackle, right? Well, why don't you just eliminate that entirely? If you're Steve Wilkes, hear what I would do. And thank you, Johnny Dells, for this. Uh, he did a little preview of his tape. It was a great little preview. Check out his YouTube channel. Does great work over there on YouTube. Great stuff on his film breakdowns. He mentioned this, and I agree with him. Uh, I would not be surprised if Steve Wilkes brings Greenlaw or Warner, I would more so say Greenlaw, on blitzes. Force the running back, who's going to be your check down option, force him to have to stay in to block. Drop Gregory in coverage, which he's done in the past, forcing Goff to have to make a throw downfield or force a throw into coverage, taking away that check down option. The Rams did this to a T when they lost by one single point in the wild card round this year. If I'm Kyle Shanahan and I'm Steve Wilkes, I saw what Raheem Morris did, the brand new head coach, the Atlanta Falcons, and then 
Rams defensive coordinator. I saw what they did. They took the Lions to the brink because they were able to take away Goff's check down option, forcing him to force passes into small windows, which then leads to mistakes. You get pressure, take away his check down. Goff is a bottom 10 quarterback in the entire league. You have to take care of Jared Goff, Bosa, Chase Young, Gregory, Hargrave, Armstead. This is the biggest game of the season. They had no sacks against the Packers. It's not just about sacks, but you have to get home. When this defense gets pressure, it helps everybody else. The second layer of the defense, the secondary, you want to see Ambry Thomas not struggle? That defensive line needs to get home against the Lions. And look, it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop there because the Lions have a ton of good weapons. Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Jamison Williams, Josh Reynolds. And look, the biggest ones being Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta. Now, Jamison Williams is more of the, the deep threat, the speedster on their offense. Didn't play the first six games of the season, but he's strong, he's sturdy, and he's really, really quick. And if you're San Francisco, while you don't want to get beat over the top because Goff will take those shots, you have to figure out how to slow down Laporta and you have to figure out how to slow down Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, much easier said than done because Laporta, it's easy to say, well, put Fred Warner on him, right? You know, put Dre Greenlaw on him. Now, I would have to agree that when you have two of the best linebackers in the entire league, two of the best at taking away the middle of the field, well... Uh, you can probably take away Sam Laporta for the most part in this game, but I don't want to chalk it up just to that. You're going to have to take away Amon Ross St. Brown as Randy Elite Daytona joins us in the chat saying my name, Sterling, but also saying this. Besides Amon Ross St. Brown, the numbers are meh. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case, but I'll tell you this. San Francisco cannot just have Mooney Ward shadow Amon Ross St. Brown the entire game. Because Amon Ra literally splits 50-50 down the middle at slot and on the outside. So when you're in man coverage, Mooney Ward, not Ambry Thomas, you're on Amon Ross St. Brown. But when he's in the nickel, Demo Lenore has to bring the heat like he brought it against Green Bay. you got to find... That physicality, you have to find yourself. When you call yourself the hyena, you got to act like one on the field. Uh, my money is on Lenore bringing that this Sunday. But look, that being said, Amon Ra is a great player. To our times, you can put him in the backfield. You can put him in the backfield, kind of like Debo Samuel. We'll get to him in a second, and he'll have success. So, Ben Johnson, very creative. They know how to get the ball into their guys' hands extremely quick. If you're San Francisco's defense, you gotta be on your toes non-stop. Defensive line has to get pressure. Uh, you gotta stop Amon Ross St. Brown. And honestly, my worry is here because Amon Ross St. Brown is so physical. The Lions' weapons are so tough to bring down, especially Amon Ross St. Brown, Gibbs, and Montgomery. The fact is... I feel like there's going to be a ton of illegal contact plays in this game called against San Francisco, but if the refs let them play, be up on that line. Play press coverage, okay? 
You cannot let Amon Ross St. Brown beat you. You have to out-physical him. He wants to run through you. Don't let him out-physical a team that has said openly they want to bite your kneecaps off. And look, here's the thing, too. For San Francisco's defense, the Lions have so many weapons, right? So many ways to beat you on the ground, through the air. Uh, it doesn't just stop there, though, because they have an OC and a head coach in Dan Campbell that essentially are playing four-down football the entirety of the game. They're hyper-aggressive. They know that they can put a game away early, and they know that if they can get to midfield, you are playing their game. Fourth and four, they're going for it. Fourth and five, they're still going for it. They are hyper-aggressive. They trust their offense. They trust their defense to keep up with the offense if it fails. And if you're San Francisco's defense, you better make sure... All of that talk of being tired and worn out is out the freaking window. You had a week off for the bye week. You are now completely healthy again for the second straight week. If the Packers game needed to be a wake-up call, you better be wide awake come 3 o'clock at Levi Stadium this Sunday. Okay? You gotta apply pressure. They are, you are going to be on the field, I guarantee you, for about four fourth down plays in this game. You can get golf early in downs, force them into long third downs, long second downs, you eliminate the chance that Dan Campbell gets aggressive and they won't go forward on fourth down. It's so much easier said than done, but you are essentially playing on the edge when you play the Lions. They're hyper-aggressive. They want to attack, 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 attack. No let up. Literally, like a lion, like a hyena, they want to, they're so aggressive, you have to almost be as aggressive as them on defense. Uh, Randy again says here, I'm not saying the Lions aren't talented enough to win, just saying besides Amon Ross St. Brown, they are mid. He also says that if you can apply pressure like we haven't been doing, and we stop the run, which we haven't been doing either, we should mop the floor with Detroit. And look, that's the other thing. How do you slow down, which I think is the biggest weakness of San Francisco? How do you slow down the Lions' defense? The Lions, or excuse me, the Lions' rushing offense against our run defense, right? The Lions' rushing offense ranks six in the entire NFL, while our run defense ranks 26th. That's how bad it is. The Lions have over 100-plus yards on the ground in 15 games this season. They're tied for the third most explosive runs of 10-plus yards this season. When you combine the stats of Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, they have nearly 2,000 yards on the ground and 23 total touchdowns. They essentially have a Chris McCaffrey in the form of two players when combined into one, like a freaking Megazord in Power Rangers, right? you are going to have the toughest task ahead of San Francisco's defense in stopping the run. Hence why you have to get pressure against Jared Goff. Hence why you have to be able to force the Lions into second long and third and long to almost take away the option to run. They're going to try to run. They're probably going to have a ton of success. It's when Jared Goff dropbacks, can you take advantage take away checkdowns, bring Greenlaw on the blitz, drop Gregory back into coverage. You and I both know it's going to be a tough task, but San Francisco, at their best, is a far better team than Detroit is. 
Dave Montgomery's a great running back. Gibbs, a thousand yards nearly on the ground, almost 350 yards through the air, 11 total touchdowns this season. These guys are explosive all over the place. But I will say this. I will say this. The Lions, the last three games on the ground, 70 yards, 79 yards, 114 yards. Vikings, Rams, and Bucks. I don't think any of those defenses, maybe outside of the Bucks front four, are better than San Francisco's at stopping the run. Um, so the Lions really haven't relied too heavily on the running game. They could certainly go to it this week, and I wouldn't be surprised, but I will say that while San Francisco isn't playing their best run defense football, especially against the Packers, the Lions aren't running the football too much either. <laughs> um, it does feel like that they kind of walked their way into the playoffs pretty easily, playing the Vikings twice, and the Rams are okay, and the Bucks are just fine. Don't forget, they, they beat the Rams by one point. Nick Mullins took them to the edge at least once because their passing defense is so bad, and we'll dive into that right now because all the talk of Jared Goff and how we can get to him, and how San Francisco's defense has to get to him, it feels like nobody in the national media is discussing Jared Goff. They're all talking about Brock Purdy's awful game against the Packers and this, that, and the other. I don't trust him. I don't believe in him. Brock Purdy's 3-1 and one in the playoffs. Only game he's lost was against the Eagles last year in which he didn't have an arm to throw, right? And the, the best thing about Sunday is, if you live in the Bay, it's sunny as can be on this Thursday afternoon. There's no rain. The sun is a good friend to Brock Purdy. When it rains, Brock Purdy's not very good, averaging 210 yards, just two touchdowns and five total interceptions. When the sun's out, oh my goodness, after they lost against the Ravens, Purdy balls out against the Commanders, 230 yards, two touchdowns, and a 124.7 rating. And an average this year in day games, in day games where it's sunny outside, Brock Purdy averages 286 yards through the air, nearly two touchdowns, and 0.4 turnovers with a near 120 rating. My folks, my friends, my lovely subscribers and listeners, this Sunday should be a Brock Purdy showcase to the masses why he is an MVP finalist this season. Forget Jared Goff for a second. I believe Brock Purdy's success this Sunday is more important to a Niners win than Jared Goff's is. Because how good Detroit's run defense might be, their pass defense is awful. In this game, if some way San Francisco utilizes Christian McCaffrey, establishes the run, and can attack the middle of the field against Anzalone and Campbell, who are both not great uh, against crossing routes, you can, you can kind of gash them there. It's going to open the outside numbers. San Francisco can beat Detroit at their own game, passing the football. We need a bounce-back Purdy game, I believe, against the Lions. We are going to see a bounce-back Brock Purdy game, and here's why. Here is why. Because the Lions, frankly, suck in their secondary. Their starting cornerback, Cameron Sutton, ranks 109th of 133 cornerbacks in coverage grade. 
Their other starting cornerback, Kendall Vildor, ranks 114th out of 133. Disgusting. Disgusting. Bottom 30 cornerbacks. Bottom 20 cornerbacks in the entire league. Now, Brian Branch, uh, their nickel cornerback, is pretty good. 23 out of 133, but... If you know Kyle Shanahan and you got Jawan Jennings out there in the slot, in the nickel, right? Um, my money would be on a bigger body player like Jawan Jennings being able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Brian Branch. And here's the even more beautiful thing. It'll be sunny at Levi's. It'll be sunny in your hearts and minds when you hear this. The Lions this year run man coverage at the fifth highest rate in the NFL this year. Only the Cardinals... And the Commanders have worst passing grades since Week 10. So they run the fifth highest man coverage rate, the Lions do. Okay. Within that, other teams that run man, the Cardinals and the Commanders, they're the only two teams that have a worse coverage grade than the Lions do. Hear this. Brock Purdy against man coverage this year, first in yards per attempt, first in EPA per play, first in passer rating, First in passer rating under pressure, and second in EPA under pressure. The Lions in this team, <laughs> with this defense and their secondary, secondary, excuse me, not secondary, secondary, they're going to be secondary to San Francisco when they lose on Sunday against the Red and Gold, am I right? But against this Lions pass defense, Brock Purdy should be able to showcase his skill against a really Man coverage heavy defense that Brock Purdy has a history of exploiting. This game should be a Brock Purdy game for the ages. We're talking gunslinger Purdy day in, day out, play in, and play out. That's how good he's been. Now look, you want to give Detroit some more credit here, no doubt about it. The Niners may have the worst pass blocking offensive line remaining in the playoffs, which is really sad to say. Um, they struggled against Green Bay last weekend. It wasn't pretty. And I would not be surprised if San Francisco puts Kittle as the inline tight end to aid McKivitz against Hutchinson, who I think, whether it's Purdy or CMC or Juszczyk or Warner, you have to chip him on almost every single play, keep him out of the play, simply because... The Lions this year, when it comes to pressures generated, Hutchison has 118. He is great. I would not be surprised in two years from now we're saying DPOY next to his name. That being said, the next guy, 118 pressures on the defense, dropping all the way down to 40 to an interior defensive tackle at Aliyah McNeil, then John Kaminsky at 31. Their entire defense relays or relies, excuse me, on getting pressure, <laughs> uh, getting pressure. But it's only from Hutchison. The way they utilize him against McKibbitz and other defenses is truly incredible what Aaron Glenn's able to do. If somehow you can stop Hutchison, whether it's checkdowns, quick passes, you have to alleviate Brock Purdy from that pressure. I highly doubt you want Hutchison lining up across Trent Williams. I'm going to assume it's going to be 90% of the time McKivitz on Hutchison. You have to be able to chip him and keep Brock Purdy's pocket clean. If San Francisco is able to do that, 
Um, again, we are going to see a Brock Purdy performance like we've known against the Buccaneers, the Jaguars, the Steelers, and many others. It's all pointing to favoring San Francisco's passing offense, not the Lions. And when you can outgun the Lions, you're going to force them to dig their heels in and have to beat you through the air. And that's when you can force Jared Goff to make mistakes. Now, look, I get it. Purdy almost threw two picks against the Packers. It wasn't pretty. That's because it was raining. But no one's talking about Jared Goff almost throwing a pick in the red zone against the Bucks. They won that game by one score. Let's not act like they ran through Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield, by all people, almost had the Lions in his hands. Matthew Stafford lost by one point. And we're supposed to act like we're supposed to be scared of the Lions. Now, you can respect them all you want. I totally get that. They're a really good team. But let's not act like San Francisco isn't built to beat teams like Detroit. And here is one of the biggest factors. Pretty obvious one, mind you, right? It's getting Debo Samuel back, who did indeed practice today in limited fashion, which I am fully expecting him to play this Sunday. With Debo on the field, historically, San Francisco was 53-23 and 23 without him. They are 8-9. and nine. We learned last week it was the first time this season they have won when Debo Samuel plays less than 10 snaps. When Debo Samuel plays less than 10 snaps this year, they are 1-3, only averaging 18 points per game and under 340 total yards. It's not great in the games in which Debo Samuel has not played this year. Brock Purdy has a 61% comp percentage 253 yards per game, four total touchdowns, and five total interceptions. But when Debo Samuel does play 10-plus snaps, excluding the finale against the Rams in Week 18, this team is 12-2, averaging 30 yards per game in almost 400 total yards. They're getting that kind of impact back on the field, even if it is at 50%, 75%, you're getting that kind of impact on the field. And the reason why it's so impactful is because the Lions defense against the nickel. When you have Debo and Ayuk and Juwan all on the field at the exact same time, you're running your nickel, right? You're forcing the Lions to be a nickel defense, okay? The Lions rank 26th EPA per play against nickel. When they have five defensive backs on the field. Their 26th success rate against the nickel have a 30 EPA. They are what? The fourth or the third worst ranked defense against the pass when running nickel formation and have allowed a top 10 explosive rate against the nickel. Again, are you buying the Brock Purdy stock this Sunday, it's all lining for MVP Brock, the Brock star, Berserker Brock, to make an appearance and shine bright on the biggest game of his career. Don't forget, it's hard to sometimes. Brock Purdy really didn't get to play in the NFC Championship game last year. I'm sure for him, he won't say this. He beat Philadelphia. Now he wants to show the world that an NFC Championship game is a game he can succeed and excel in. And the Lions defense has little in his way to stop him. You get Debo back on the field, it forces Detroit back into their worst defensive set, which is the nickel. 
I completely expect uh, to see a lot of Ayuk in this game because you're going to have Debo out there and Jawan. Um, it feels like if you're going to have Cameron Sutton uh, or whoever else in that Lions secondary like Vildor, uh, Ayuk is going to have a game where you point to and say he's wide open for three or five yards. Ayuk, when, when Debo is not on the field, is just not great. When you put Debo back on the field, it's almost like an entire new part of the offense opens up for San Francisco. And if you're going to give Ayuk that much to work with, that much space and weaker, dare I say, bottom 20 cornerbacks across from him, um, you're going to be asking, what is Brock Purdy and what are Brandon Ayuk cooking on Sunday? You're going to see some lion pelts being hung up in the Niners locker room because they're going to be shedding these guys and cutting these guys all and gashing them all game long. Um, I can't forget to mention this, though. When you have... On the Lions defense, one of the biggest loudmouths in the entire NFL, uh, Debo Samuel and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson called Debo Samuel a running back and said he couldn't run routes, even called him little boy. Um, you can dive into that and in what you think, but I'll just say this. Um, I can guarantee you the first person Debo Samuel is going to target in this game when he has the ball in his hand, just like he used to target Jalen Ramsey, is Chauncey gardner Johnson. So you're giving San Francisco bulletin board material for a second week in a row. You're giving them an entirely healthy Debo Samuel against one of the worst passing defenses in football. And I haven't even mentioned Christian McCaffrey yet. Um, if that tells you how respectful I am towards the Lions, but also how how pretty positive I am San Francisco is going to win this game, how confident I am in the Niners pulling this thing off, well, it's pretty darn high uh, for the Niners. The Lions run defense, though. Let's dive into that for a very quick second here. The Lions run defense is, when it comes to yards per carry, they rank third in the entire league at 3.7 yards per carry. But in the playoffs, when things get tight and you have to play your best, They've allowed 144 rushing yards on 29 carries, nearly five yards per carry. Um, if I'm Kyle Shanahan and I've seen the stats in front of me and says, hey, in losses this year, McCaffrey's ran the ball 11 times, 12 times, 14 times and 15 times. Hmm. When we win games, CMC averages 18 rushing attempts. It's almost like maybe I should try to get on the Lions' run defense early, open up the entire offense, and force the Lions on their heels and make them have to play aggressive. If San Francisco, if the trend of the Lions' run defense giving up five yards a carry carries over into this game, and you're going to give CMC the opportunity to exploit that, it is going to do wonders for the Niners' offense. If I'm Kyle Shanahan, uh, I would not be surprised if CMC, or at least he should be, getting a heavy dose early in this game. Because once you get CMC opened, um, you get play action rolling. And look, <laughs> you can stop whatever the Lions want to do offensively. You can control the clock. You can pass the ball. You can run the ball. And you can almost make it like the Lions are a non-factor in this game. And to take it even further as to why I am so positive 
San Francisco is going to win this game and going to go to their eighth ever Super Bowl appearance is because the red zone. Last week against the Packers, the Niners defense held up in the red zone over and over and over again outside of what one drive. And the reason why the Packers even scored one touchdown was because San Francisco's cornerback fell down, or at least was one of the reasons as to why they scored. That being said, uh, the Lions red zone defense in this season uh, ranked 29th. They rank the fourth worst in the entire league, giving up a touchdown on nearly 65% of the red zone trips. Meanwhile, San Francisco has the number one red zone scoring offense in the entire league, and their red zone defense in San Francisco is holding up, playing bend, don't break defense seemingly all the time. Uh, and to leave you with this, one more tidbit. We talked about Jared Goff and how you have to get pressure. Takeaways, checkdowns for Brock Purdy should be a big game. You get CMC going, you run left, you avoid Hutchinson. Uh, you should have yourself set up for success for San Francisco. I will say this that the Rams outgained the Lions two weeks ago, 425 yards to 334 yards, 7.7 yards per play to 6.1 yard per play. The Lions won that game by one. The Buccaneers also outgained the Lions 408 yards to 391 yards, 6.8 yards per play to 5.5 yards per play. The difference is... The Bucks threw two picks and missed a field goal. The Rams went 0-3 in the red zone. The odds San Francisco goes 0-3 in the red zone, probably it's not going to happen. They're the number one red zone defense in the entire league. And the odds Brock Purdy throws two picks and misses a field goal via Jake Moody, well, all those things almost happened last weekend. Uh, I'm going to assume... When it's not raining, the likelihood of that happening is not that high. It's NFC Championship game week, and I've run down in 45 minutes every reason why I think San Francisco should win this game, and also why the Lions, if you don't get pressure on Jared Goff, Jared Goff playing like a top 10 quarterback, watch out. If you don't tackle, Jameer Gibbs, Montgomery, Amon Ross St. Brown, those guys are some of the toughest players to tackle in the entire league. And look, if you don't run the ball, you're putting all the weight of the world on Brock Purdy's shoulders. Can he handle it? I think so. I do think of all the quarterbacks playing Jared Goff and Brock Purdy in this game, fingers crossed those are the only two playing, that Brock Purdy is more unrattleable, if that's a word, compared to Jared Goff. When the tough gets going, Brock Purdy seems to harden up and figure his way through it, and they go out there and win the game. When the tough gets going, Jared Goff makes mistakes. We all question, can Brock Purdy come from behind? Proved it last weekend, right? We all ask, can they win without Debo Samuel? They did last weekend. That instills confidence in your team. San Francisco wasn't pretty by all means, but they're riding high. They're feeling good. This is their game to lose on Sunday in front of their fan base, in front of the faithful, in front of their home crowd with their MVP candidate quarterback on the field with no rain, with an entirely healthy offense. 
leading the way against the Lions team without their fans in front of them in a quarterback that does not play well outdoors and on the road. This is all leaning towards San Francisco getting the win on Sunday, rekindling that magic we saw in the regular season. This feels like it's going to be San Francisco. In fact, I'll even go this far. I will say 30 to 27, San Francisco gets the win and clinches and punches their ticket to Super Bowl 58. I predicted it earlier this season. I'm not changing now. Faithful, get ready, because on Sunday, San Francisco is going to win this game. It might be tight. It might be close. And if it has to be as ugly as it was last weekend, to mean we're going back to the Super Bowl, by all means, give it to me day in and day out. This Niners defense, this Niners team knows Jared Goff. They know how to get to him. And if they can get pressure, it is staying cooked ugly. I won't go that far because those guys have to, have to do their job. Bosa, Young, Armstead, Hargrave. But look, I'll tell you this. San Francisco is the better team of the two. And I am not going to root against or pick against the best team all year long in the NFC. Number one seed for a reason. I'm picking San Francisco to win 30-27 and go to Super Bowl 58. Uh, who knows who they play? All I care about is winning this game because then two weeks' time, you can take care of business. But that starts this Sunday. You beat the Packers. Now end the Lions Cinderella story, bite their kneecaps off, and punch your ticket to the freaking Super Bowl. That being said, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review on the podcasting platforms. The audio version goes out tomorrow morning. YouTube is already live. You're watching it currently, right? But please like, share, and subscribe. Follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. 49ers.access is the Instagram. If you want to go to this game on Sunday, if you haven't bought your tickets yet, well, kind of late, but if you haven't, use our promo code 49ersaccess at seatgeek.com. 49ersaccess at seatgeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Let's go. NFC title on Sunday. Going to be glued to my seat. Cannot wait to watch this game. Number one seeded Niners, number three seeded Lions. This game is going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. And hopefully the next time we talk, we're talking Super Bowl 58. Niners against the Chiefs, Niners against the Ravens. Both setting it up for a rematch of the last two times San Francisco was lost in the Super Bowl. How great would that be to avenge at least one of them? But you have to beat Detroit first. I'm saying Niners 30, Lions 27. Again, this Sunday, NFC title. And next time we talk, hopefully we're talking a win and Super Bowl 58. Until next time, though, stay faithful.